Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 28. And today I'm going to be looking at, this week and next week, I'm going to be looking at a little bit of the Christmas story. I'm going to be looking at Mary and I'm going to be looking at Joseph. And Celtic Preacher was tied up with her flock at Christmas time, so I never actually got these recorded. But I do want to share with you a little bit about what I found out about Mary that can help us in our lives today and what we can find out, what I found out about Joseph too, that can also be of great uh, spiritual value to us. So for this, this session, Podcast 28, I'm going to be looking at Mary's part in the Christmas story. So we're going back in time a little bit now. We're going to Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38. What can we learn from Mary? Now, this is kind of fascinating. Over the centuries, the church has said either way too much about Mary or way too little. In fact, no matter what tradition you come from, or maybe you don't even have a Christian tradition, a lot of what we've heard about Mary isn't really helpful to us at all. So whatever we've learned or heard, it's good to just hold it very lightly and get back to what Jesus actually said about Mary, his mother. So we're really not interested in what the church says. We're really not interested in what the theologians say. What we're going to do is, is what, did, what did Jesus actually say about Mary? What is so special about her? What can we learn from her? Well, according to Jesus, she's not special because she birthed Jesus. Jesus said, that's not what made her great. She was great, but that's not what made her great. It's nothing about being a virgin. It's nothing about being a wife. It's nothing about being a mother, which is a big deal 2,000 years ago in a patriarchal culture, right? Women were there to bear sons. Jesus said, no, that's, that's not what makes her great. It's nothing to be, it's nothing about being without sin, what the theologians called immaculate conception, uh, being born without sin. It's nothing about never actually dying, which the theologians called the assumption. All of this has been made up. It's nothing, none of these things are important. Now, mind you, I'm not just saying that the Catholic theologians were off, but the time that the Reformation happened, this is a little bit church history here. By the time the Protestants, the ones who protested against the Roman Catholic Church, okay, by the time the 16th century came along, well, if the Roman Catholic Church overemphasized Mary's role, the Protestants, the protesters, did the absolute opposite. They, they protested against the Mary emphasis to the absolute extreme. So as a child growing up in, in the Presbyterian Church in Scotland, I never heard, a, never a word was spoken about Mary. And certainly nothing was spoken to Mary, right? Maybe once a year at Christmas time, you would hear about this peasant girl God used to birth Christ. Then that's it. You would never find a statue. You would never find a painting. She was really absolutely ignored. 
So church history has two extremes when they deal with Mary. Either they overemphasize her or they ignore her and she's nothing. Well, what I want to look at today is what Jesus said about her. And I'm going to pick up a little bit of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to start off that the text says in verse 26 that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee. Now, you can uh, learn about Elizabeth and her husband. That's way back to podcast 24. But basically, Elizabeth's going to birth John, John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin. That's for another time. You'd have to go back to podcast 24 for that one. But in this text, the angel went to Mary. After after the angel went to Elizabeth, then he went to Mary. And he said this line, and this is something that you might have heard before. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So this angel, Gabriel, appears to this young girl and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words, the text says. Now, notice there's no description of Gabriel. He might have looked very ordinary. She's not greatly troubled because she's seen an angel. Actually, the word angel means messenger. So it's not really the fact that he's a messenger that's alarming. And there's no description of this messenger. He could have looked quite ordinary. It's the angel's message that she finds troubling. Verse 28, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. She's like, me, favored one? Me, favored one? She's a poor girl from a tiny village, a peasant girl. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son And you are to call him Jesus. You have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son. You will name him Jesus. And he will be called the son of the most high. Okay, so her response is not, okay, great, will do. Her response isn't, got it, I'll have a son. Her response is, How can this be? How can this be? I'm a virgin. How can this be? And I think this questioning, this wondering, is important. This impossibility. It's important to recognize this tension in her because every one of us is going to experience this kind of tension. She's telling you like it is. She's sensing the impossibility of it all. This is something beyond her. She can't possibly fathom how this could ever work out. So there's a a helplessness in her, a deep questioning. There's a lack of understanding. How can this be? 
Now, let me add that, of course, we will never be called to birth the Christ, right? Obviously, that's her call. But I will suggest that we will be faced with what we consider in possible situations, circumstances, challenges, and dilemmas. We will be faced with sickness and failures, mistakes and disappointment. We will be faced with grief and anger and hopelessness that will cause us to feel some of the kind of tension that she's facing. Because she's like, how, I don't know, how will this be? How can it be? How will this ever work out? You see, what makes Mary special is that she's the first disciple. She's the first student, really. In other words, she's modeling what it looks like to be open and obedient to God. Because discipleship is all about obedience. Being a student is all about doing what your teacher tells you to do so you can learn. She's showing us of what it costs, really, to follow God. God's way isn't exactly easy. She's like, who, who am I to do this? I'm a no one. But you see, this is the very thing that sets Mary apart. It's like, are you open, Mary? Are you open to this new thing that God will do? And she's like, yeah, I'm open. I'm open. Now, it's not who you are. It's not what you accomplish. It's not your status that's important or your intelligence or your influence or your success. All the things our culture admires. It's are you open to God tapping you on the shoulder? Are you open to God interrupting you and saying, I'm going to use you in this world. But you know what? You better hold your own agenda for your life very lightly. You see, for Mary, she may have been poor and young, but, you know, she, she did have plans for her life. Simple enough, right? Simple though they were. She had plans for her life. I'm marrying Joseph. We're engaged. He'll carry on in his woodwork. I'll raise the children. Ordinary first century kinds of goals for life. And then God interrupts her plans and her life and her family and once she says yes, things will never go back to normal. When God interrupts her plans, everything's unsure. I mean, is it any wonder that she's perplexed and confused and troubled? What sets Mary apart, what makes her special, unusual, is that she allows God to interrupt her. She's open. She's a model student. This is what it looks like to follow. She pushes through her perplexity and her confusion. She pushes through her troubled mind. You know, it's interesting. There's a great uh, encounter in Luke 11. One day, somebody called out to Jesus and said, your mother's blessed to have a son like you. And Jesus said, no. That's not why she's blessed. She's not blessed because she birthed me. She is blessed, but she's not blessed because she birthed me. And she's not blessed because she's a mother. But I'll tell you what's great about her. 
This is Luke 11. I'll tell you what's great about her. She has the capacity to hear God's word and do it. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to know what's good and right. It's another thing entirely to actually follow through and do it. What we call obedience. She's special because she listens to God and she actually follows through. She questions, she ponders, she wonders, she can't figure it out, she feels the tension, but in the end, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That's what she says to the, to angel, the angel Gabriel. I'm the Lord's servant. Which is a way of saying, I, 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 just, I want what God wants for my life. I want to spend my life serving God. I want to be about God's business. I want to do what God wants. Yeah, this is, this is what leads to serenity, by the way. She's not fighting against. She's not resisting God. Not resisting. I wonder if, I wonder if that's why all the painters and all the, all the sculptors that you see, you know, uh, she's, she always has this look of serenity about it. I wonder if it's because she's not fighting against or she's not resisting. You know, Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, way back, podcast 24, <laughs> his response <laughs> was so different when, when Gabriel interrupted his life, you know, and said, you're going to have a son. Zachariah, when he was interrupted by God, remember Gabriel spoke to Zachariah and said, you'll have a son. Zachariah's response was, I don't think so. We're too old for that. We can't do that. We're way too old. He's closed down. Zechariah, that can't work. Zechariah is full of reasons why things will not work out. Mary is the opposite. She's so open. Now, if she's open to Gabriel's message, she's showing us she's open to everything. So it's like we can learn from her. We can really learn from Mary. I think if we look at her, she's actually quite a challenging character because you can ask yourself, well, am I open to, am I like her? Could I say that, that, I, that I'm God's servant? You know, will I learn to put my plans and goals to the side when God guides me another way? Will I let my life be led by compassion rather than fear? Can I say I'm a servant of God? Can I say I'm a student? Will I truly think of what's best for others and not just myself? Will I practice unconditional love? Am I a servant? Will generosity lead the way rather than being scared, you know? You know, it's not that, that Mary wasn't perplexed at the task ahead. She saw the pitfalls. She saw the problems. But she moved ahead trusting that God would give her exactly what she needed. And that's what faith looks like. She moves ahead in spite of her perplexity and her questions and by her action, by her lifestyle, she says yes. She says yes to the call in her life. That's what sets her apart. 
Yeah, she is blessed, Jesus said. But it's not because she birthed me. It's because she's learned how to listen and she's learned how to follow through. Live it. What do we call that? Walking the talk? Yeah, there's the heart cry. There is the heart cry. Help us not only to listen, God. Help us, help me to follow through. Let me be open to doing what you want me to do. Well, you've been listening to Celtic Preacher looking at the wisdom of Jesus for the 21st century. Join with me again next week and we'll look at Joseph, Mary's husband. What can we learn from Joseph? Christmas, part two, next week.